last few weeks, we have been dealing with the topic, a word made flesh movement, a word made flesh movement. And we've been dealing from this particular chapter 15, thank you, my brother, from the book of John chapter 15. And we've been going through it and looking at the different things that Jesus was declaring unto his disciples. And obviously, we know that it is important for us to pay attention to what Jesus is saying to his disciples because he commanded his disciples to teach us, to teach all things that he had been taught. Therefore, it is our responsibility to make sure that we adhere to and that we listen to what God's word is saying. And Jesus is declaring these things to his disciples about abiding and dwelling. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about, first of all, repeat this after me, say abiding is only possible by invitation and response. Jesus said it clearly. He said, you did not choose me. I chose you. Jesus called us out of darkness into the marvelous light of his kingdom. He has given us an opportunity to be sons and daughters. And now we, are, we, are, we have received an invitation. But an invitation is only as good as the respondent. Hello. The person who is going to respond. If you do not respond to the invitation, it's like the invitation never went out. Hello, somebody. There's going to be a whole lot of people in heaven that would be like, well, you got an invitation, but, you know, you just didn't want to come. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just keeping it real. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. There, there, there's going to be a whole lot of folks. They got invitation after invitation after invitation. They didn't want to come and participate of the goodness because they were too concerned with other things. And so, obviously, we realize that when Jesus is talking about abiding, he is saying that we need to remain in him. We need to remain connected to him. We discussed and we discovered when we did our little, um, um, you know, our little census up in here, and we had everybody, you know, decide or, or to, you know, make a, make a declaration if you wanted to be successful. Nobody raised their hand saying they wanted to fail. Amen. And, I, and, and I've taken it upon myself to say that our church represents 100% of the United States. I said 99.9%. Amen. Glory to God. And, and so our, our 100% in here is going to be the same out there. Nobody grows, you know, nobody that's a little kid says, hey, man, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a failure. I want to be broke. I want to be, I, 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 don't, I, I want to just have a dead-end job. No, nobody says that kind of stuff. I want, to, I want to get divorced. You know, I want to have rebellious kids. Nobody says that when they're a child. Everybody as a child wants to succeed, and so that's a good thing. Hallelujah. Amen. So as we grow, we want to succeed. The problem is that we want to circumvent the process because not only do we want to succeed and know this, God put that desire within you and me to succeed, to be successful in life. He put that in us. It is important, though, that we are not chasing success, but that we are chasing him. Here's the issue. The issue is, church, that we will chase success, but we won't chase him. We will run after things. We will go after goals. We will try to accomplish stuff. Well, okay, I got my list of goals, and I got to do this, this, and this, and this to get here. But hold on a second. How many of you are that determined in your pursuit of him? Oh, I get up early. I get dressed. I got to do this. I got to get to work early, all that kind of good stuff. But how many of y'all are saying, wait a second, I need to get up extra early, not so I can look cute, but so that way I can be filled. Filled with what? The Holy Ghost. Amen? That's what the Bible says. So if we're going to be full, then we need to put some things into action. But the reality is God put inside of all of us that we, are, that we desire to be successful. We don't want to fail, and God does not want anybody to fail. And he gives us the exact process. The problem is we don't want to do that. So abiding is the first thing. The second thing that we looked at last week is pruning. Say this with me. Pruning is a necessary, initial, and ongoing process for the branch. 
We learned last week that we need to be able to discern the difference between God pruning us, God cutting things from our life, God trying to remove stuff to make us better, and the enemy trying to sift us, which is to destroy us. We learned, and I know that you were paying attention, glory to God, taking notes and all that good stuff, that sifting leads to rebellion against God while pruning leads to repentance or acceptance before God. So when you are being sifted by the enemy, what will happen is it will lead you to rebel because it will cause you to doubt. It will cause you to question. It will cause you to fear. It will cause you to want to walk away from him and away from God Almighty. When you are being pruned, what it does is it draws you in deeper because what you're going through, you know that he's walking with you. Why is it important for us to know this? Because when we know what we're dealing with, if we know that we're dealing with the sifting of the enemy, then we have the authority in the word of God, the authority of the Holy Spirit to rise up And rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus because he has no place and he has no dominion in our lives. Amen? And so we've got to know who it is that is is coming against us. And we also need to recognize that if it is not the sifting work of the enemy and it is the pruning hand of the Father, listen to me. We have got to make sure that we are humbling ourselves before Almighty God, not trying to rebuke him. Mm Mm-hmm. We, we, we broke it down last week. You know, sometimes we think that everything that is good, then in our eyes, that is taken away from us, oh, that's got to be the devil. Hello, somebody. Rebuking, rebuking God, just, you know, fighting with him, not even realizing it. You can't, and, and, and you know, we do it all the time because what? Because whenever we think of pruning, this is what automatically happens to us. Whenever we think of pruning, we think of dead stuff that needs to be removed so the plant can live. But what you've got to realize and what we have got to understand is that that is not the truth. The truth is that a person who is going to be a vine dresser, they do not only cut off dead stuff, but sometimes they have to cut living things because if those living things are not cut precisely, then guess what? The the branch will not bear any more fruit. So we closed the thought last week saying that sometimes God has to cut what's good and he's got to cut what's better so we can experience and produce the best. And here's the reality, church. That is the painful part. See, it's easy, and I I repeat this again. It's easy for us to say, God, take that dead stuff out of my life. What about the living stuff that you think you're holding on to but has really got a hold of you? What about that living stuff, that stuff that you don't see anything wrong with? You know, that stuff, that, that stuff, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, uh-huh. Hear me, church. When the, when the Father is pruning us, we looked at the things that, that determine or how we can know. How do I know if I'm abiding? Well, the first thing that we said was, and we're going to talk about this one today, is we must bear fruit. The second thing was that we will be pruned by the Father. In other words, there's going to be some relationship going on. The third thing was that we will be effective in prayer. There was two promises right in this chapter here for us that anything that we ask in prayer shall be done. We understood after, you know, we made sure that we unmanipulated the word. Hallelujah. Hello, somebody. Because, you know, everybody will take that statement and they'll be like, oh, you know, that, you know, right there, I can just ask for anything. Hold on a second. Time out. Because you can ask for anything in the will of God, anything in the name of Jesus, and those things are going to be done. Not just whatever you want, not whatever your, you know, little, no, no, it's what his word declares is yours and mine. What his, what his word shows us clearly as his will. We can ask for that without any question. We can ask for those things, and then we can walk in them in Jesus' name. Amen? So be effective in prayer. 
We also talked about growing in the love in Christ's love. We're going to grow in Christ's love from Christ because we're going to be getting a revelation of him. We're going to grow in love for him. We're going to grow in a love for him because as we continue to seek his face, we get the revelation of that love that's coming toward us. We begin to reciprocate that love. And the result of that, you know, his revelation of his love and your love for him, guess what begins to happen? You begin to love others. Hello, somebody. You begin to care about other people more than you ever did before. You begin to be concerned about the eternal destination of people. We talked about it last week that if you are separated from God, don't think that you're sitting on one side of the room for eternity and God is sitting on the other side. That is not the truth. You are in hell burning and you are suffering for all of eternity when you are separated from God. It's a whole different thing. Hello, somebody. And so we need to think about that stuff because we have opportunities right now to give our life to Jesus and get right with him. And not just because you want to get out of hell, but because you recognize, man, the sacrifice that he paid for me, what he did on that cross was tremendous. It is beyond anything that I could ever understand. And I realize that I am the reason why he had to go to that cross. Anybody realize that? Amen. Amen. Understanding that the only reason why we're here today is because of that blood that was shed for our lives. And so we would be people that would grow in love. We would be a people who would grow in this unspeakable joy. And Jesus goes on to communicate, and the third thing that we'll talk about today is bearing fruit. Say this with me. Bearing fruit is the glory and will of the Father for all Christians. Say all Christians. Every Christian. Say every Christian. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. Say everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. Everybody, church, hear me, hear me, hear me, because we think sometimes that the fruit is only supposed to come from certain people. No. If you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a child of God, then there should be real fruit in your life. You know what the problem is? is and, and, and this is going to be real offensive, but it's going to be all right. You're going to take it and love Jesus. Hallelujah. But you know what the issue is? The issue is that we have too many Christians trying to present artificial fruit. Mm-hmm. They want it to look good for everybody, but it ain't. it's empty on the inside, church. It looks good on the outside. We smile when we come together. When we get around people, we make sure we don't use certain words. Hello, somebody. We make sure we don't talk about certain things. We make sure that we think about, okay, should I say that I was listening to that? Should I say that I was going, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We get around certain people and we have, you know, we, we, we put on our Christian clothes. And it's not just clothing, church. It's behaviors, right? But you know what Jesus says? He says that he wants us. He chose us. Chose us to bear fruit. Not just a little fruit, much fruit. I want you to think about this. When you look in the book of Genesis, you will find something. God is doing all of creation. He's breaking down this creation account. And when he comes to man, the first thing that he does after he creates man, the first thing, the first thing that he does after he creates man is he blesses him. The first thing. He blesses him. The second thing he does, he speaks to him. And you know what was the first thing out of God's mouth? Be fruitful. The first thing. He blessed him, said be fruitful. Multiply, fill the earth, rule over all the fish, all the birds. He's rule over everything, have authority and dominion, subdue the earth. This is what he said to him. Shows us something because we all want to be blessed. Amen? Raise your hand if you want to be blessed. Come on. I ain't setting you up. Just raise your hand if you want. I want to be blessed. Glory to God. I want to be blessed. We all, we all want to be blessed, but I want you to understand something. Looking at the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, you know what we realize is that blessing isn't just, you know, where well, you're blessed and just move on. Blessing brings with it responsibility. Why? Because when God blesses us, church, when we are blessed, our lives should produce something. When we are blessed, our lives should be producing life. It should be producing kingdom manifestation. Our lives should be producing some things because we are blessed. Amen. Is anybody blessed in here? Hallelujah. 
All right, so we're blessed, therefore that means that our lives should be producing that. Our lives should be a demonstration of that blessing. And so we're looking at this fruit here. Why is fruitfulness so important? Well, Jesus said it clearly. He says in verse 8, look at verse 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified, right? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. When you look at that word, so you will be my disciples, this is what it's really saying. This is the proof that you're my disciple. If you... Hear me now. If you or I are not bearing fruit according to the scriptures, we're not his disciples, no matter how we try to slice it. Say amen. amen. If our lives are not demonstrating the fruit that we're going to talk about today, because we're going to talk about some fruit today, hallelujah, do some fruit inspection. You know, you go into the supermarket and you, you know, you grab up the fruit, be like, this one's ready. I don't, you know, anyway, bro, I don't really do that. I watch my wife do it. I'm like, is this ready? I don't know. Is this, uh, tell me. She's a tester. I don't know. I don't know nothing about that stuff. I know how it tastes when it's ready, though. Amen. <laughs> but we do fruit inspection, right? Because we don't want to get no rotten fruit. Hello. What we want to do is we want to check the fruit of our lives. And here's the beauty of this. You don't need to go to your husband or your wife to ask you about this fruit. All you got to do is while I'm talking today, you just need to just evaluate yourself. Is this me? Am I looking like this? Because if you say no, then you need to repent. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Why is fruitfulness so important, church? The fruitfulness of our lives directly reflects the ability of God. Hear me. When I call myself a Christian... I'm saying that I am connected to the creator of all. That's what you're saying, right? You're a Christian. You're connected to Jesus. You're connected to the one who was crucified, resurrected on the third day, demonstrated that the one thing that nobody by themselves could overcome, which was death. He did it all by himself. You know, didn't, it didn't have, you know, no one call him out of a grave. Didn't have no one come and lay on him and pray. No, no, none of that stuff. He just came out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So what you're saying is, I'm connected to him. Therefore, what you are also saying in the same sentence without even saying it, when you're saying I'm a Christian, is you're saying I represent him. So my life reflects his power. My life reflects his ability. My life reflects his will. My life reflects his ways. My life reflects his thoughts. My life reflects his desires for my life. Hello. That's what we're saying. So when we bear fruit, what we're doing is we are allowing God to be manifested through us and say, hey, I am the man. Hello, somebody. We're allowing God to say, I am the creator of all things. I am the one that is able to deliver, that is able to heal, that is able to revive, that is able to resurrect. I am the one that is able to change any life that will connect to me. That's what he's saying. But when our lives come short of that, because of not because we're growing, see, because I just gave you an analogy. My wife and I, you know, whenever we're not very often, but whenever we go to that fruit section in the in the, in the grocery store, because she usually goes by herself. But whenever we go together, and I'm standing there, and I have you know the pear or whatever it is I have in my hand, and I said, "Babe, here, you know, test this out." She's testing it. She's seeing, you know, she she's gonna look at it, and you know what? Sometimes there's stuff that's not just rotten; it's just immature. Hear me? There's some stuff. There's not rotten, it's just immature. And so don't be condemned if you're not at this level, but you need to make sure that you're not just sitting stagnant, just chilling, but that you're crying out after God and that you're wanting to grow in this because we got to realize that there is just some rotten fruit, just some bad fruit, just some stuff you don't even want to mess with. Hello, that just really needs some repentance. And then there's other areas that, like we said, that the Father wants to prune some things in our life and remove some stuff in our life and add some things to our life for what? So that way we can bear fruit because at the end of the day, 
It's all about bringing him glory and bringing him honor. Amen? So what does it mean to be fruitful or how is it that we can measure our fruitfulness? Well, we find in the book of Matthew, and we're going to turn our Bibles. And if, you, if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to bug your neighbor and say, neighbor, help me out, glory to God, and, and, and share your Bible with me. And if you do, just get ready because we're going to be turning to some scriptures today. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 3, I want you to turn there with me, and I want you to see what John the Baptist has to say. This is the first area that we should demonstrate repentance. The book of Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, when you got to say so. And this is what John the Baptist says. He's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had come out to be baptized by him. And he gives them this great rebuke. He's like, brood of vipers who warn you to flee from the wrath to come. In verse 8 he says, but do this, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And so hold on a second here because we see the word fruit being utilized. One of the first times in, our, in, 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 in the gospels here, when, or, or the first time in the gospel, being used by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is communicating with these people who are coming out saying, yeah, we want to be baptized. We want, in, we want in on this blessing. We want in on this new thing that is going on. But John says, hold on a second. Don't come out out here thinking that you're just entitled to something because you're not entitled to anything you need to bear fruits worthy of repentance what was he saying he was saying your life needs to demonstrate that you have turned away from sin your life needs to reflect that your mind has been changed about the way you're living did you hear that your life needs to show that the things that you've been doing, the way you've been thinking, the attitudes you've been walking around with, the way that you have been living, that your mind has been changed, that you say, wait a second, this is not the way that I should be living according to God's holy standard. So we got to bear this fruit worthy of repentance. And so how do we demonstrate that? Well, it's by us growing in this wonderful grace. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Romans, and we'll see how, we, how it is that we bear this fruit or how it is that we demonstrate the fruit of repentance, how we are going to walk in this. Romans chapter 6, please. Praise the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, when you got to say so. And it says here in verse 21, it says, What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And so the life, basically, the life that they were living, the people were living before Christ, it bore a fruit. And that fruit was what? It was death. Verse 22 says, But now, having been set free from sin, now when does this take place? When is it that you and I are set free from sin? We are set free from sin the moment that we repent of our sins. The moment that we recognize that our sin is wrong and we submit our lives to God and we say, God, here it is. I recognize this is incorrect behavior. This does not align with your word. Therefore, at that very moment, we are set free from sin, period. We're not waiting to see when we're going to be set free. You came unto Jesus and the power of the cross is to set us free from sin. This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to remind these people of. Verse 20. 
22 goes on to say, and having become slaves to God. See, we don't like that word there, slaves, because, you know, it makes us feel like we're in bondage. No, what happens is when you and I, hear me, church, when you and I really come to Jesus, there is something that happens. It's not a slavery like, you know, you're in these chains and bound. No, it is that you become bound by the revelation of his love. You become bound by the revelation of who he is. And what happens is it is because God has gripped your heart and gripped your life that you say, God, I cannot continue to live for the things I was living for before. Therefore, I am a slave, not because you bind me, but because I've been caught by your love, but because I've been enraptured by your revelation. Therefore, I'm not going to live for my own desires, but I'm going to live for yours. See, that's a real test right there, church. If you have been set free from sin, then you are now a, you, you now are a slave to righteousness, supposedly. Hello. This is what we're supposed to be. A slave to righteousness, a slave to God. He says, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. So the apostles telling him, listen, this is the fruit. The fruit of repentance is sanctification. The fruit of repentance is that you are separating yourself unto God. That's all that is, church is that you are daily separating yourself. You are daily dying to yourself. What does that mean? That means that you are starting or you are having a time in your day with your God where you and him are getting intimately close. Where you are separating time for him. That's what it means. It's not so much. See, we always think about what I got to walk away from. How about who you're walking to? Oh, I'm not going to, because this, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not, you know, it, 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 it is the same thing. If you think about it, it's the same thing with a diet. You want to lose weight, what do you do? I'm not going to eat this, not going to eat that, not going to eat But let me ask you, what are you eating? Because if you're eating the right thing, walking away from that stuff is not going to be so bad. Hello. Mm-hmm, I got like three that's rights. Glory to God. Bishop, you know, yes, I do know. Hello, somebody. I am well aware of how hard it is to walk away from that stuff. But you know what? Once you've been eating right, that stuff is not such a big deal. You know why? Because your body is is receiving the nutrients. Glory to God. Your body is receiving the nutrition that it needs. Therefore, it's not calling out for false stuff, church. How, How much more? I can't, I can't say the word nutrients without nacho, like flashing, you know, glory to God. Listen, <laughs> hear me, hear me. How much more, how much more do you think it is when you are tasting the goodness of heaven? Hear me. When you're tasting the goodness of heaven, when you're intimately connected with him, eating at the feet of the master, you don't want sinful stuff. You don't want ungodly things. You want the real deal because you have experienced it, church. You're not trying to fill a void because you are full and overflowing. Hello. You, 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 you're not trying to fill. You're trying to share. I, I, I need you to know about what I've been tasting. I, it's like when you find that restaurant that makes that special thing that we probably shouldn't be eating, you know, that place. Well, anyway, when you find that place, you want to tell everybody about it. Glory to God. I went to a place where they had some mofongo, glory to God. I was like, oh, whoa, I was about to run right there, glory to God. Listen, I never, I, I never ate mofongo in my life, and I'm glad I never did because that might have messed. Listen, I'm just letting you know. that day, I will never go to another place to eat it because I don't want to mess up my experience. Hello, somebody. But look, the fact of the matter is I want to tell everybody about that place I want because I want them to take me, glory to God. 
Every time, just invite me whenever you go. Glory to his name. Listen, listen. Here, here's, here, here is the, 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 the reality is when you are tasting of the goodness of heaven, church, when you've tasted that forgiveness of God. I don't know about anybody in here, but I experienced some forgiveness. I experienced what it was like to know that I was rejected and empty and didn't have the love inside of me in my life the way that it should have been. And to come into a relationship where at one point I was fearful to come to God because I didn't want to be alone. But then when I tasted of his goodness, I didn't want to be around nobody else. I just wanted to be around him. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And even if I wouldn't have wanted to be around him, they would have left me anyway. Because every time they came around me, all I could talk about was him. So while they're trying to get messed up and do their thing, and I'm saying, man, Jesus is good. I'm trying to talk to them about the book of Romans. And they're like, what, man? Come on, bro. And I found myself, nobody coming to my house. It, last, it was like this, like two weeks, everybody was coming every day, come pick up Jason. All of a sudden, week three, they came one time. I was like, all right, I guess I don't want to hang out. <laughs> Hanging out with Jesus. Week four, came one time. Week five, no one came. I was like, glory to God. But me and Jesus were hanging out, church. And I don't mean hanging out like he's my boy, because I'm not, I'm not going to disrespect him like that. But I was sitting at his feet and I was hearing what he had to say, crying as I was reading his word, not even understanding what I was reading. I read, I remember reading 1 Timothy and he's telling Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. And I'm bawling. I'm like, what is an evangelist? I don't even know. Listen, I, I, I just knew that what I was tasting was changing my life. Reading through, I, I, listen, I, I read scripture later and I'm like, man, I read this before, but I don't even remember this. Because you know what? It was just God doing something inside of me. The, what I'm trying to tell you is use what I've experienced to let you know that, look, if you get in with God in this intimacy with him, it is not going to be so hard to say no. It is not. I, I hate, look, and, and, I, I'm, and, and I, I know I'm going to offend some people again, but it's all right. Glory to God. But hear me. I, I can't stand the statement, it's hard to be a Christian. Why? That's like saying it's hard to be married. If it's hard to be married, it's because you're not happy. Because it ain't hard for me to be married. Hello, somebody. Oh, but Bishop, we go through trials. That, yeah, I, I understand that. The trials are difficult, but that, that, that when, 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 you, when you look at, look at the scriptures, the trials they're talking about is persecution for faith, y'all. Not talking about the stuff that we go through. Hello? Oh, Bishop, those things are not important. Oh, yes, those things are important, but those should make it difficult to be a Christian. Come on now. Because when you're intimate with him, when you're walking in that relationship, man, you want to love on him, church. Because you've experienced that love. And so the fruit of repentance is sanctification. You're separating yourself unto him. And as you're separating yourself unto him, automatically you're saying no to other stuff because you need to be with him in his presence. Amen? Amen. So the first thing that we know that we need to bear fruit in is in the area of repent or, or repentance. So say that with me. We must be fruitful in repentance. Second thing, say we must be fruitful in evangelism. You're in the book of Romans. Now just turn over a couple of chapters to chapter 1. And I want you to just look at verse 13 with me. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I'm going to look at verse 13 with you. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. When you got to say so. He says, now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Now, 
what the Apostle Paul was talking about, he was saying, I want to come over there. And if you keep reading, this is where the Apostle Paul talks about not being ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, which keeps us in the context of what fruit he's talking about. And when he's communicating, he already tells them that he wants to come and impart some spiritual gifts to them. So he wants to bring them something. But when he's there, he wants to go out and preach the gospel. Because of what? Because Christians are supposed to be fruitful in evangelism. Say, I am a Christian. And I'm supposed to be fruitful in evangelism. Now, here's the question. Usually, we'll ask the question, well, how many people have you led to Christ? That determines if you're fruitful in evangelism or not. That's not the question I'm going to ask you. I have two other questions for you, which are much more important. Because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that one sows the seed, one waters, but God gives the growth. Therefore, what that means is that God is the one that causes the increase to the seed that you're sowing. My question is this. How much seed are you sowing? That's the first question. In other words, I don't want, I don't want you to tell me how many people you've won to Christ I want you to tell me how many people you have shared the gospel with in the last six days. How many people you have shared the gospel with in the last three months. Now, I can guarantee you that you've had plenty of opportunities. All of us, all of us, we have had plenty of opportunities. So here's the question. How many people have I shared the gospel with? How much seed am I sowing? The other question, which should be the first question, how much time... And how broken are you praying over unsaved people? In your prayer time, think about it. Just, just, just go back, mental picture. Rewind. Okay, I prayed about my needs. Prayed for my family. Prayed for my job. Prayed for school, maybe. Prayed for my kids if I have kids. Prayed for my parents if I have parents, whatever. Prayed for all of these things. How much time did I spend praying for my neighbors that don't know Jesus? That I know they don't know Jesus because their life is demonstrating another type of fruit. Hello. How much time have I, how, how many times, how many times, think about this, church. I, I want you to be serious because this is serious. How much time or how many times have I mentioned the names of those unsaved people that I know before God's throne room? Think about that for a moment because I want you to know something. I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not so interested with everybody jumping up and just running out there and just doing something because someone said you got to do something. No, no, no. We need to do that. That's, that's wonderful. But you know what it has to come from, church? It has to come from a prayer closet. It has to come from a place that we become burdened to do what? To share with the lost. So here's the two questions. Real simple. The reason why I ask these questions is because of this. Because if you and I are really on our faces praying and crying out to God, really on our faces seeking the face of God, and we are making it a primary thing for us to pray for unsaved people, what is going to happen is automatically you will begin to care about those unsaved people. You will begin to be moved to do the next thing, which is the answer to the other question, which is share the gospel every opportunity that you have. And even more so, being able to share the gospel by making opportunities. Hello. Walking across the room is a wonderful way to do that. Going up to someone that you just don't know and just begin a conversation. Hello, somebody. Tough stuff, I know. But you know what? If you've been praying, you'll, you, you'll have the boldness to do that as the Spirit leads you. Amen.
So that's the bottom line. Those two questions. If you're not sharing the gospel, you're never going to lead anyone to Christ. Did you hear me? Say that to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, if you're not sharing the gospel, you're never going to lead anyone to Christ. It's just common sense. You can say that too. Hallelujah. How, how, how you how, look, Paul? The apostle Paul said, "How do they know if they don't have a preacher? How are they going to know if there's no one telling them?" So, say it with me again: We must be fruitful in evangelism. The third thing: Say we must be fruitful in our giving. That's a type of fruit, also. Hallelujah. The book of Romans, chapter 15. Turn over there. We're just sticking in the book of Romans here, just flipping some pages. We're going to leave the book of Romans in a moment. Huh. Romans, chapter 15, verse 26 to 29. And you got to say amen. And it says, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. I want to just point out here, clearly Paul is talking about the monetary contribution that was made by the church for the church, period. That was what he was talking about. And he says that he is going to seal the fruit. Therefore, your giving is fruit. Say, your giving is fruit. And so we must be fruitful in our giving. Pastor Chad will continue on this topic when he gets up here in a moment. Praise the Lord. The next thing I want to talk on, turn to the book of Galatians. I know y'all knew I was going here to the book of Galatians chapter 5 because this is where everybody goes when they're talking about bearing fruit. But there's more fruit than just this that Christians are supposed to bear. The book of Galatians chapter 5, very important text though, very important scriptures here. The book of Galatians chapter 5, we're going to begin reading in verse 22. And when you got it, say so. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. In other words, there is nothing wrong with any of these things here. If you walk in these things continually, there is no law against them. There is no sin in doing these things. This is what the Christian is supposed to bear fruit as well. So say this with me. We must bear fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it gives us nine characteristics of every Christian. And those nine characteristics can be broken down into three groups. It can be broken down the first three, the second three, and the last three. And so the first three are what? Love, joy, and peace. The love, joy, and peace, those are the ones that are God-word. These are the things that come out of your relationship with God. It comes out of your intimacy with him. And really, and I want to point this out as well, when you look at love, and all you got to do is go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want you to compare the fruit of the Spirit to the things that you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And you're going to find that love is the basis of all of the other fruit that is going to come out of your life. If you don't have love, you're not going to have any of this other stuff consistently. Hello. 
You're not going to continue to be patient when love is not experienced between you and God. You're not going to continue to be kind, hello somebody, when that love is not being continually, you're not going to continue to be good, goodwill towards other people if, you're, if you don't have that. So he goes on and he says, love, joy, and peace. These come out of this relationship, this love, because love is the highest thing. When we experience love, there's no, there's no other experience that we can have. I mean, we can get money, but listen, church, when we experience love, I mean, when you've experienced the love of a parent or the love of a child, the love of your spouse, there is nothing that compares to that. When we experience the love of God... And God begins to embrace us. There is nothing that compares to that. And so that is that experience that supersedes everything. It surpasses knowledge. It changes everything in our day. That's the reason why we can be having a horrible day, and then you see that face of that beautiful husband or that beautiful wife, and it just lights you up. Glory to God. Why, church? Because of that love that is there. You see that face of your child, and that love that is there, it just perks you up. And everything that happens, the, the, lo the love that God is placing us. Because remember what I said, agape is not just the love that is, you know, you, for Christian folks. No, agape is something that God has put inside of everyone. Here is the thing. You've got to realize is that the source of agape for the Christian is different. Because in the world, when you offend somebody and you hurt someone, you know what happens? That agape begins to become guarded, and then they stop loving you. When you are a Christian, you are connected to an unlimited source of love. Therefore, when they are when, when you're offended, what do you do? You forgive because the Bible says love covers all sin. Hello, somebody. So that's the difference is that you're connected to the source. You're connected to agape. You're connected to the Father. And so we realize that that love is there. And then you have this thing called joy that comes out of this relationship. And you know, when I'm looking at joy, you know what joy is, church? Joy is true satisfaction. That's what joy is. Joy is true satisfaction. When you are really satisfied, you have happiness, you have gladness, you have joy. When you're not satisfied, church, you're lacking that. But when you're in relationship with the Father, he's the only one that can produce it consistently. Hello. The same thing with the love. It's a God thing. God has got to be produced because you know what? Some days your husband, your wife, your children, your parents are not going to be perfect in that love. They're going to do things that, 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 that are not going to make you smile. Hello, somebody. But guess what? The father, even in his discipline, if you know his love, will make you smile. Because you know what, daddy? Even though it hurts, I know you love me. And I know it's not amiss. It is for my good. And out of that relationship comes this joy. Comes this true satisfaction with who God is. Because sometimes situations, they're not very satisfying. Hello. Go, 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 go and get a raise. They give you like a 10 cent raise. That's not satisfying. Hello, somebody. I need like a $10 raise. You want to give me 10 cents? What's wrong with you? You, could, you gave me like 1% of what I need. You couldn't even give me a tithe. Hello. Listen, <laughs> that's not satisfying. Sometimes our job situations, not satisfying. But you know what? God is always satisfying. Therefore, we have that joy. Then we move on to this next one, and it, it is this peace that surpasses all understanding. And when, and when you look at that, it means, it, it, when you look at the definition of the word, it literally means national tranquility. It's peace. It means security. So when we're talking about peace, church, we're not just talking about a feeling. We're talking about an assurance that comes out of our relationship with him. That even though other stuff around us may be unstable, other stuff around us may be up and down, things around us may not be the way that we think they should be, but my God doesn't change, therefore my peace is what? My peace comes from him. 
So you have love, you have joy, you have peace. These are the God word things. These are the things that come out of this relationship. All of these things come from your relationship. But these things are direct. It's just, it's, it's him. And then you move to man word. To your dealings with other men, women, other folks. And the first one that he says, I love it. I love the Apostle Paul. He says, long-suffering. When you're dealing with other folks, glory to God, <laughs> hallelujah. When you're dealing with other people, no matter who it is, listen, no matter who it is, you've got to have that long-suffering. <laughs> I, I, I want you to notice this wasn't written to pastors. Hello, somebody. This was written to all Christians. Say all Christians. Say every Christian. Say everyone that's called on the name of Christ. Everyone that is called on the name of Christ needs to bear this portion of fruit in dealing with other folks. Being patient. Hello, somebody. Even when you think, my goodness, you are a grown person. I, want, I don't want to put a gender on it, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, it's just, you, 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 you grown folk. Hello, somebody. You are grown, and you still acting like, how long you been in church? I thought you read the Bible. You brag like you read it through, you memorize, quote, and script. And ain't you the bishop? Hello, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, 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 glory to God, glory to God. My wife's never used that one yet, but she will, I'm sure. Glory to God. What you preaching to these people? Uh. Long-suffering, church. Understanding people are going to miss the mark. Understanding, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know what, 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 what this long-suffering is? It's not responding in a manner that is unbecoming because you've been provoked. Did you hear that? Because, so, you know, and, 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 and I've had those moments. I've, you know, I've, I'm driving my car, glory to God. Hallelujah. Pulling into a parking lot, looking for a parking space. Praise the Lord Jesus. You know? And, you know, there should be common courtesies like, I got there first, that's my parking space. My car is faster and smaller than yours because you're driving a minivan and I got a little Miata. Just getting delivered right now, right? And you just, just cut, cut up in there, right? Glory to God. And then, you know, I got my wife and my daughter in my car, and you got three guys with you, so, you know, odds are a little bit against me. So you think, so you think, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding, man. I'm joking. I just had to say that, y'all. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm, I'm crazy sometimes, and I have to let you know that I'm growing. I'm just, you know, that, that area is being matured. In these last seven years, it has matured a lot. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So, anyway, 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 you know, I, I bow down now. You know, I'm like, oh, go ahead, just take it, brother. I guess you needed it more than me. Hallelujah. Okay. So the fact of the matter is, in those moments, I, you know, in my, in my opinion, this is my opinion. You know, I, I could be wrong. In my opinion, you know, I want to compliment the person who did that craziness. Be like, man, you're a great driver. Just wanted to, you know, let you know that. <laughs> but thank God for my wife and my daughter who restrained me, you know, and they're like, Daddy, come here, come here. I'm like, I just want to tell him he did a great job. I really, you know, appreciate that. <laughs> but anyway, but, but, but the point of the matter is, I feel like they've done something that deserves retaliation. 
okay? They've said something, you know, not, not them, but, you know, somebody will say something to you that deserves you to just be like, what did you, and you just, Pastor Robert, he, you know, he's helped me in this growth in this area. And he's like, Bishop, you get like a blowfish. You know, when you get upset, just. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sitting down. And he's like, Bishop, you got it. You get, it gets crazy. I'm like, what? And he's like, brother, I'm telling you. So now when I'm sitting, I'm like trying to, you know, not blow up. I'm like, yes. All right. Breathe in. Breathe out. Give me a moment. <laughs> Focus. Balance. Right. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so. Here's, here, 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 here's what happens, church. We've got to grow in this area because we are going to be provoked. Amen? People are going to do stuff that are going to warrant some type of response. And you know what that response needs to be? That response needs to be a response in love. Dealing with them from the right perspective. Understanding that everybody is at a different level and every day somebody is down here and somebody is up here. And when you catch someone that's down here, that may be their lowest moment. And you as a Christian should not be judging folks. Hello. And acting like, you know, because you caught them at a bad moment. No. You need to help them get through that because they're growing just like you. Amen, somebody? Okay. So we, and, 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 and I give this analogy because, you know, when you look at those smooth stones from a stream, you know how they got so smooth? They didn't start that way. They, well, what happened was they were up higher in this in the stream bed, and as the waters rushed down, the, the 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 stones began moving. Well, when they were moving, they weren't just rolling down; they were banging one in the other. And what happened was, as they continued to roll down, banging on one another, they began to be smooth. And when they get to the bottom over here, guess what? They're smooth, ready to kill giants. Hello, somebody. That's what day he went. He did, he didn't go to the top because he said them things are rough right there. I said, I need something that's going to be aerodynamic and is going to fly when I throw it out of this slingshot. That dude is big. Hello, somebody. Got to be quick and accurate, right? So what did he do? He, went, he goes to where the stream, where, 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 where these things are, where, where it's stopping. Why? Because he knows that down here, these stones are that way. So what do you think God wants to do with us, church? He wants all of us to be that refined and shiny, smooth stone in his hand that he can kill the giants of our day. Bottom line. But you know how that's going to happen? It's going to happen by the stream of the Holy Ghost flowing in our lives and us banging one and the other, forgiving each other our offenses, and moving forward in love and allowing God to say, okay, you know what? They have haven't arrived we haven't arrived and obviously we're walking together so we need to get there together so we can do the greatest thing for the kingdom of God hello so we have this process so we've got to be patient because that's how we deal with people patiently and then we need to be kind hello somebody see patience all right I'm gonna be I'm gonna just wait yes I'm waiting with an attitude, no kindness involved in this. Just cold-blooded. Just, just, just rough, just mean. No, that's not, that, that's not it because we got three, remember? Love, joy, peace. Patience was the first one. Started there. Got rough right away. <laughs> but in your patience, you have to be kind. You have to be morally good. Got to have that right heart attitude toward these people in dealing with them. So we gotta be, we, we've got to consider. In other words, we have to consider their feelings. Oh, did you hear that? Mm, glory to God. Kindness, church, is considering other folks' feelings. Are you learning something? 
Kindness is considering the way that this is going to affect someone. It's not just, I got to get that off my chest. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, be angry, sin not. Is that not what the scriptures say? Be angry, sin not. It didn't say not to be angry. That's a revelation for some folks. Some people think anger is a sin. That's, that's a lie. Anger, anger is not a sin, church. <laughs> anger is not a sin. It is what that anger, or and, and I'm going to say it like this. It's not what the anger causes you to do. It's what you allow yourself to do. Because nobody, no feeling can make you do anything. Everything we do, we make a decision to do it. If I was going to walk and talk to them guys and tell them how much, you know, I was appreciating their driving, guess what? That was my decision. It wasn't my anger didn't make me do it. Their cutting me off didn't make me do it. It was because I chose to respond in a manner that was not patient and that was very unkind. Right? So it's important that we realize that when I'm walking in kindness, I'm considering how is this behavior going to affect the other person? How is this going to affect their walk with Christ? How is it going to affect our... Listen, the truth hurts, but you know what? You can go on ahead and you can bring hurtful truth in a manner that's not so blunt and just painful. Hello? It may take some prayer. Amen, somebody? It may take some consideration. What words am I going to use? You may need to write it down, glory to God, and look in the mirror and look at your, you know, posture yourself. You, you, you may need to go through all of those things. Amen? But the fact of the matter is, the Bible says that we are going to walk in this patience, this long-suffering, suffering long, and we are going to be kind. And then it says goodness, having goodwill, wanting to benefit others. I'm living my life to benefit other people. I'm doing things to benefit, to build up, to create opportunities, to create an atmosphere for people to grow. That's what it means that I'm going to be dealing with people on that level, that everything that I do is not just going to be patiently, it's not just going to be kindly, but the motive behind it is going to be goodwill. The motive behind it is that it's going to be something that is going to build, even if it hurts. Hello. So we're going to be good. Amen. Say, I'm going to be good. So we got love, we got joy, we got peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And then we have the last three, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those deal with you. Those deal with your character. Those deal with you directly. Because these are things that you portray and you possess. Number one, you're faithful. What does that mean? Real simple. You can be dependent upon. Hello, somebody. You can be depended upon. Why? Because you realize that my yes needs to be yes, my no needs to be no. If I said I'm going to do it, I need to do it. Unless some emergency came up and I couldn't do it, which we understand. Hello, that happens. But the fact of the matter is, we need to be those kind of people that I'm faithful. I'm faithful. Gentleness is, is translated the word meekness everywhere else. And what meekness means, it's, it, it's real easy. What meekness means is being able to control the power you have and use it appropriately. That's what it means. It means to have the authority to just lay it down, but reserve that right. So you know what? I'm not going to do it that way. I'm walking in a meekness. I could call down the angels of heaven, Jesus said, but I'm not going to do it. That's meekness, church. It's not weakness. It's meekness. It's determining what's the right thing to do. And the last one, the last one there is self-control. 
Well, we all know that. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? It's self-control. It means you got your passions under control. That passion at some moment can be anger, can be frustration. It can be hurt. It can be all kinds of different things, but you have those things under control. That's what it means. We're talking about fruit, church. This is what it means to be a fruitful Christian. To bear the fruit of the Spirit is to have these things operating in our lives. To be able to walk and know how, you know, to keep my mouth shut when I need to. Or to speak when I need to speak because that's just as important, church. That I am going to speak when I need to. That I'm going to be quiet when I need to be quiet. That I'm going to do the things I need to do. That I'm going to keep my eyes focused where they need to be. That I'm going to keep my mind un under control. Hello, somebody. That's what it means to have self-control. And, so and so here we have the first thing. Say it with me. We must be fruitful in repentance. We must be fruitful in evangelism. We must be fruitful in giving. We must bear the fruit of the Spirit. And say this with me. We must bear... The fruit of the Father's discipline. Turn to the book of Hebrews, please. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12, beginning in verse 1 to verse 11. Praise the name of the Lord. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, when you got to say so, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as, his, as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The father's telling us here in his word, He's saying we as his children, as sons and daughters, if we're not being disciplined by God at some point, we don't need to be, when we're talking about discipline, remember, there's the two sides of that discipline. There is the training side of the discipline, which is the directing side, and then there is the correcting side of the discipline. When you are not abiding by what he is directing you to do, when you do not do what God says to do, you will inevitably experience his correcting side, which we don't want to do that. But the bottom line is he's instructing you, communicating you, 
telling you, son, telling you, daughter, do this, go this way, act this way, live this way, love this way, do these things. He's communicating all of that to us, training us and developing us. And he's saying, you know what, sometimes it's difficult. You know, when we talk about love, sometimes, you know, we get hurt over and over and over. And, you know, it's tough sometimes, church, when you get hurt by the same person over and over and over again to just forgive. And, 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 and that would be, you know, for me to lie to say that that's not the truth because you become guarded. You don't want to get hurt again. But still in all, Jesus said when, when the apostles asked him, how many times do we forgive? You know, seven times, like seven times 70. In other words, you, as many times they come and ask for forgiveness, you forgive. That's what he said. As many times they come and ask for forgiveness, you forgive them. As many times they repent before you, you forgive them. And you walk in that. It's not easy, but it is something that he communicates to us. And as we're walking with him, we begin to grow in that area of our lives. We begin to demonstrate. We begin to bear a specific fruit that is the peaceable fruit of his righteousness. Because of what? Because God wants us to partake of his character. Amen? He wants us to partake of his holiness. That doesn't happen, church, unless we're being disciplined by the Father. And so our lives should demonstrate that we're in a relationship with a father. I love to use Bobby as an example. Bobby's a great athlete. You know, he's doing wonderful things, and we, you know, pray that God will continue to prosper him. But you want to know what? He wouldn't be as great as he is today and as great as he's going to be if he didn't have a devoted father who was devoted to helping him grow in that area. No matter how good the coaches are, the coaches didn't have the time, nor do the coaches have the responsibility that a father has to do that kind of stuff. That's why Pastor Robert takes the time with his son, goes to the batting cage, hitting all kind of balls all over the place, glory to God, out there pitching, getting hit in the chest. I remember all those stories, praise the Lord, going through. I think I hit in the eye one time, praise God. And that was, he was like, yeah, we're going to the batting cages from now on. Um, you know, that, <laughs> that was the end of that. So, you know, the, the reality is he's out there. And, and, and it's not like he's just sitting around at home waiting for his son to come home. No, he's out there working a job, doing things that are difficult, coming home and doing what? Going out there, taking the time. He's got ministry responsibilities. He's got to study, counsel, all of these things that, that goes on in, in, in ministry and work. And he's making the time for that because he's a loving father. And so he's helping his son produce. Well, you know what? Your heavenly father is waiting for you to just submit to his direction. Hello. And that way your life can become what? The best, not just good. Not just better, but the best. Amen? Amen? And the last thing that we should bear, and it's in, the, I think, the next chapter of the book of Hebrews, is we must bear, say it with me, we must bear the fruit of worship. The fruit of worship, church. Look at chapter 13, verse 15. In the book of Hebrews, and it says this. Therefore, by him. By who? By Jesus Christ. We're not even doing this by our own selves. It's by him. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. When we sang that last song in here, I'll be a worshiper. Church, it's a declaration. Not that I'm going to be a singer, that I'm going to be a worshiper. That I'm going to live my life bowed before your throne. That I'm going to live my life bowed before your presence. That every decision, that everything that I do is going to come under the scope of your will and your direction. And if it doesn't align, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you cut it from my life and I'm going to walk in your will. I'm going to walk in your blessing. I'm going to walk in your direction. Amen? 
See, here's the thing we got to realize, church, is that the fruit that we bear, it is not for our consumption. It is for someone to consume. It is purely for the manifestation of God's word and his kingdom, and it is so that way others can partake of that fruit, church. See, when we are doing good things that are of our own ability, you know what it does? It gets us praise. It gets us a pat on the back. But you know what? When it is the spirit of God that is working through us, it brings glory to God and people to salvation. You see, because we can do good stuff, church. We can do good things. But the question is, what is the product of those good things? What is the product of the good that we're doing? Is it bringing people to Christ? Is it bringing glory and honor to God? And in closing, this is what I want you to realize. Because we're talking about all that is bearing fruit. And here is the issue, or the question really. And it is, do I just want to be good? Am I okay being good? In other words, am I at a place? Are you? I'm asking you this question. Are you at a place that you feel like, I'm good enough? I pray enough? I read the Bible enough? I come to church enough, I witness enough, and you're good. If you're there, God wants to bring you to another place. But we get in that place. We feel like we've given enough, we've done enough, and so we're good. No. But let me tell you the other danger. Here's the other danger. The other danger is that we go from the place of being good to being better. You know, you know how we do that? We start comparing ourselves to each other. Oh, well, I'm a better husband than him. I'm a better wife than her. I'm a better leader than him or a better leader than her. I'm a better son or daughter than him. And so we go from being good to now I'm better than someone else. Wrong standard, church. God wants you to be the best. Well, you're not comfortable being good. You're not okay with being better, which you might be. You don't know, though. But you want to be the best. And the only way that happens, church, is when we begin to look into the word of God as the mirror of our lives and say, Lord, how am I measuring up to your standards? We've gone through all of this fruit here, church. We've looked at what a fruitful Christian should look like. And, you know, I may have missed some area of some word fruit in the, in, in the New Testament, but I think I got them pretty much covered in principle. This is what a Christian should look like, church. This is the character of a Christian. This is what should come out of us. And it should become more and much. It should be overflowing because that is the proof that we are disciples of Christ. And so I don't know about you, but I'm not good. And I won't dare, dare compare myself to anybody else because I don't want to come before God falling short. Because when we do that, church, we fall short. We fall short from being the best that he had for us to be. So let his standard be that standard. And you're in this place, and I can guarantee you, we're all needy to become better, to get to God's best. Some of us in here, we are just immature, and we recognize that today. And you know what? It's all right. But don't get stuck there with it's okay. Do something about it. Repent of not allowing him to call you higher. Others, it may just be that you just realize, man, there's just some areas in my life that are just rotten. 
There's some areas in my life that are just not right. And today's your day as well to come before the Savior and say, God, here I am. I submit my heart before you. Have your way in me. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. Bow your heads, please.